He survived a shooting five years ago. How Paul Dragon is giving back to the forgotten victims of war. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Dashcam footage captures the moment one of several deadly blasts rocked a church in the capital of Sri Lanka this Easter Sunday. Hundreds of people have been killed and many more wounded. Government officials are calling it part of a terror attack by religious extremists. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Condemnation around the world tonight over the attacks in Sri Lanka that targeted churches and luxury hotels. More than 200 people were killed in multiple bomb blasts, including more than two dozen foreigners. As Tanya Beja reports, the coordinated attacks sending shockwaves around the globe, including here in B.C. Customers and staff at the Sri Lankan grocery store in Vancouver struggle to process the tragedy. But so many people die. It's just horrible. can't understand why would anybody do something like that, and especially in churches and hotels. At least 200 people were killed and more than 400 wounded when a series of bombs exploded in and around the capital of Colombo Easter Sunday. I climbed up to the rooftop. Uh, at a, about one kilometer away, we could see uh, a smoke, white smoke coming out. Worshippers at three churches and guests at three luxury hotels were targeted in the blasts. I heard the explosion and then the roof fell on us. We took the children and ran out the back door, he says. Sri Lanka was gripped by civil war for three decades, but that violence ended in 2009 and the country has enjoyed relative calm until now. It's been a 10 years of uh, peace and we got used to that. So that's why it's really uh, surprising and shocking. Sri Lanka's government blames religious extremists for the terrorist attacks, but no group has taken responsibility. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau responded to the bombings in a statement. Canada strongly condemns these heinous attacks. Places of worship are sacred, where all should feel safe and secure. The country is under a nationwide curfew and a social media blackout. The fear there could be more violence to come. And that has Canadians like Mahedra Gumpalage thinking of home. It's uh, too sad. The people are suffering. The civilians are suffering. Tanya Beja, Global News. Global Affairs Canada says the situation in Sri Lanka remains volatile and there could be more attacks. Canadians in the country are being urged to avoid the affected areas and to follow the instructions of local authorities. The Canadian High Commission in Colombo will be closed tomorrow. It is the day after 4.20. Organizers of the controversial demonstration are patting themselves on the back for their cleanup efforts after the event attracted tens of thousands of tokers. But as Grace Key reports, the Vancouver Park Board says it's still assessing the state of Sunset Beach. It's cleanup day for organizers of the 420 event at Vancouver's Sunset Beach. According to Vancouver Police, the crowd peaked to about 60,000 people. And there were an estimated 400 vendor tents set up. Traffic enforcement officers issued more than 30 tickets and arrested three people for impaired driving. There were no major incidents reported during this year's event. Okay, we made a little noise. We smelled up the neighborhood. We trampled some grass. But 
100,000 people got to have a wonderful day and we got a chance to draw attention to some of these lingering problems of semi-legalization. St. Paul's ER department treated 42 patients for marijuana-related illnesses compared with 40 from last year. 75% had consumed edibles. 420 workers were dismantling mats that were used to protect the grass. Park officials have said it's not enough and damage is still done to the turf. A park board statement reads staff are assessing the condition of the field and will be determining the treatment plan and timeline in the coming days. People walking by the cleanup had mixed reaction about the event. I mean, it's good if everyone can clean up after themselves. They left it pretty clean, which is nice. I don't agree with it, personally. 100,000 people, you know, smoking drugs. I don't see it as a protest. Hey, happy, happy 420! A city memo indicates last year's unsanctioned event at Sunset Beach cost more than $207,000. 420 organizers say they paid $63,000 for things such as sanitation, engineering, fire, and lost park revenue. But they refused to pay for policing, the biggest cost, because they say it's it's a protest. Final costs have yet to be determined for this year's event. Grace Key, Global News. An abandoned home in Langley was destroyed this weekend in a case of suspected arson. The Langley City Fire Department says the property on 212th Street and 80th Avenue went up in flames around midnight. Fortunately, no one was hurt. There were a lot of trees near the home, but they did not catch fire. It's believed the fire was deliberately set. A man and his young son made a grisly discovery while out for a swim in Okanagan Lake today. The boy had just entered the water at Gyro Park in Kelowna when he saw the body of a young woman. I hope I'm never in the position of discovering a dead body by the shoreline. There you go. Officers taped off a large section of the park just before 2.30 this afternoon. RCMP say their investigation is in its early stages and they're working to identify the body and cause of death. The coroner is also investigating. It's been nearly one year since devastating floods hit the small community of Grand Forks. Since then, some people in the hard-hit Ruckel neighborhood have abandoned their homes. But others, like Barbara McClelland, are still rebuilding. I had about 18 inches of water inside the house. Um, the water was in the oven of my stove and in the bottom freezer of my fridge. So I lost all my appliances. Right now, I am... Um, I had a fridge donated, but I bought a new, I was able to buy a new stove. I don't have any cupboards. We had to tear out all the floors and rebuild them. McClellan says the rebuilding process for her small home three blocks from the Kettle River has dragged on far too long. She says the provincial funding she's received is not enough to finish her home. In the last year, um, I received approximately $40,000 from the government um, and I figure I'm about $20,000 short of putting my house back together. Um, I have enough, I figure I have enough money to buy the supplies, the gyprock um, and the cupboards and stuff, but I don't have enough money to pay labor to come in and put it back together for me. Local businesses are also struggling to recover. At least a dozen downtown storefronts remain closed. Many businesses have temporarily relocated while their storefronts are restored. At the height of last year's floods, 2,800 people were forced from their homes. 
More evidence tonight of just how brazen thieves can be. Surveillance video this morning caught a pair breaking into a Penticton vape business, grabbing everything in sight. And as Shelby Tom reports, it's not the first time the store has been targeted. I can't get ahead with people breaking into my place and taking food off of my kids' table. I missed Easter with my children this morning because I'm dealing with this. Justin Crystal is devastated. His business, Corner Vapes on Martin Street in Penticton, allegedly targeted by thieves for the second time in six months. I sell my own things to pay bills to be open to give you guys a vape shop in Penticton. The 35-year-old says the smash and grab caught on surveillance video resulted in thousands of dollars in damage and at least $1,000 worth of products stolen. The footage shows two masked men taking anything they could get their hands on. They took our various atomizers, devices, and uh, marijuana vaporizers as well as some extract vaporizers. Crystal doesn't have insurance. It lapsed on April 1st. He was still dealing with the insurance claim from the last break and enter. Out of frustration, he decided not to renew and shop around for other providers. This is the second time you guys have done this to me. Crystal issuing an emotional appeal on Facebook for the vandalism to come to an end. It's crippling him financially. I don't have the money to fix this. Friends are now fundraising to support Crystal and his family while he considers cutting his losses and leaving town. The first thing I thought was I want to, I want to leave. I don't want to live here now. Shelby Tom, Global News, Penticton. The mayor of Victoria is expected to visit the Alberta oil sands later this week after an invitation from a Calgary councillor. Earlier this year, Lisa Helps accepted an offer from Calgary councillor Ward Sutherland to tour the oil sands, and she will do so this Friday. In a radio interview, Helps says she's looking forward to learning more about the oil sands, but adds she will be hard-pressed to justify any new oil and gas projects. A victim of gun violence in Vancouver is now trying to help others. You may remember Paul Dragon. In 2014, he was shot outside his Yaletown business. He's now teamed up with a humanitarian to help forgotten amputees in war-torn countries. Paul Johnson has the story. They were going to sell this to young guys. While most bikes are for pleasure, some are for work, which is what Stephen Sumner uses his Benno cargo bike for. I can ride nine hours a day on this bike, uh, and I do. Sumner is a Vancouver-based humanitarian. After losing a leg, he suffered crippling phantom pains until he learned a strange quirk of neurology, that if you look at your remaining leg in a mirror, your brain can rewire itself to forget about the missing limb. It occurred to me that I'm uh, the lucky one. So Sumner took his know-how on the road, giving away mirrors to amputees in the developing world and doing it all from the seat of his bike. But there was only so much he could do on the bike he had until he bumped into an old acquaintance, Vancouver bike retailer Paul Dragon. I just was, you know, happy that if I could get him a tool to help him do his work, right, that that would make me feel good. Dragon pulled the strings to get Sumner the expensive bike for almost free. As it turns out, Dragon knew a bit about the psychology of survival himself. Five years ago, a disgruntled employee shot him in the chest. He's alive today, thanks to the paramedics who got to him in time. I 
identified with Steve because here's a guy who had a life-changing incident in his life and he's uh, taken that and he's done some good with it, right? So um, it, it touched me. It's a gift that's helped touch thousands of people around the world. With that cargo bike, Sumner has been able to pedal farther and give out more mirrors, nearly 2,500 so far. In the midst of their busy lives, they found time to hang together Sunday at Paul's store. You made it happen. It's not, it's not a small thing. I mean, this, uh, this bike is basically the pivot point of uh, any of my me and my mirror missions. If I don't have a bike and don't have a good bike, I can't do what I want to do. Paul Johnson, Global News. On Vancouver Island, the Sarah Beckett Memorial Cruise marked its fourth year today. More than 100 cars rolled out of Langford this morning for the annual fundraising event. The ride takes drivers to Port Renfrew and back in honor of fallen constable Sarah Beckett. The West Shore RCMP officer and mother of two was killed in the line of duty in April 2016 when drunk driver Kenneth Fenton slammed into her cruiser. It's become an amazing event, and yeah, I'm hoping it just keeps growing like this. Sarah was an amazing woman, and we just like to support everything we can to give back to the community. Less than a year after thieves pillaged a Cloverdale family's lawn display, the dwarfs have been stolen again. This time, though, the culprits only managed to get away with five of the seven dwarfs before an alert passerby spotted the crime in progress and scared away the suspects. The homeowner says the latest theft happened shortly after 10 this morning. The suspects took off in a gold van. The two remaining dwarfs are now in the garage. Last June, the collection was taken from the lawn during an overnight heist. The garden ornaments later turned up at the Langley Fire Department and were returned to the family. This is devastating. These dwarves um, have such a special meaning to us, our family. Our, our son who passed away, Nicholas, uh, a year ago, uh, was greatly involved in, in moving the dwarves with us back and forth out. It, it's just so much specialness. Uh, you know, um, Cindy was wanting to be here to say, but she's just too devastated to come out to talk right now. She's, and it's so heartbreaking on Easter Sunday. Why would you think someone would do this on Easter Sunday? Welcome back. The Salvation Army doing its part to help the less fortunate on Vancouver's downtown east side this Easter weekend. Volunteers serving Easter brunch this morning at their Harbor Light location. More than 600 members of the community gathered to enjoy omelets, hot cross buns and chocolate. The Salvation Army says the event is also an opportunity to bring people together and provide a sense of community. We really enjoy any opportunity to bring community together, to spend time together, to share a meal together, to help us all feel connected. And for Easter, to have this time of celebration together is, is what it's all about. Vancouver is known for many things, including rodents, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. As Kristen Robinson reports, the city is rolling out an adopt-a-rat program to rehome some unwanted pets. When you think of Vancouver, mountains and beaches come to mind. Maybe bike lanes, but what about rats? Oh, good times. <laughs> you know, I don't hate the rats, I don't want a rat. If you do, the city's selling a unique opportunity for rat ownership. We have a cat and a dog, so I guess, uh, I guess we could also get a rat. <laughs> 
Vancouver's animal shelter, home to more than 70 rats abandoned by their owners. 41 of them available for adoption as of April 18th. A what? A rat. R-A-T, a rat. A rat for? They have these rats at the animal shelter and they're looking for people to adopt. No thanks. For just $5 each, the city says these unwanted rodents make awesome pets and can be trained to use a rat toilet and respond to commands. She gave me a little kiss. I used to have a pet rat. Yeah, they make good pets. I think it's crazy. I'll stay with a pet dog. Orkin Canada recently ranked Vancouver as the most rat-infested city in BC for the third year in a row. To draw attention to, to rats in our city, I don't know if that's a really good way to go. Former councillor and communications expert George Affleck says the city's PR move is curious. Now market the sale of rats uh, from the city, uh, I think is interesting. I'm not sure a positive statement on our city. Is it a wild, a wild rat or...? For the record, the city says these rats are known as fancy rats, different from street rats and make great pets for children. Kristen Robinson, Global News. You know, we've had rats on Adopt-A-Pet on our noon program a few times, and I've held them, and they're very clean, they're very friendly. Mm -hmm. You guys don't sound convinced. Mm. I think I'd rather have a pet spider. Okay. I'm not a big fan of the vermin, as they say. (laughs) But they are very nice. All right, Yvonne and Barry join us now. A decent temperature today, but more cloud. Yes, it was pleasant today. Hopefully you got out and had your Easter egg hunt earlier on in the day. We're starting to see more cloud cover rolling in. A few isolated showers now popping up for eastern areas of the island, but the rain is going to intensify with the system. It is going to push in. For those of you who have Monday off, I'll time it out, let you know how much rain we are going to see. And we've got a wind warning across the northern half of the province. How windy and when it will ease off, that coming up very shortly. All right, and in sports, a couple of game sixes tonight in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maple Leaf fans, long-suffering yeah. Maple Leaf fans, going to have to suffer a little bit longer. Uh. Leafs had a chance to close out Boston this afternoon, but uh, couldn't take advantage, so they'll have a game seven. At least we're guaranteed one game seven in the first round. A lot of uh, Toronto teams playing today. Uh, Raptors, looks like they're going to win. The uh, Blue Jays won, so I guess two out of three ain't bad, but... Toronto fans probably have taken the Leaf win over over the other two at this stage, but uh, yeah, they really weren't uh, weren't close. You could tell there's a lot of pressure on them, a lot of pressure to win for the Leafs, and couldn't quite pull it off. Today. I bet the bars were packed in the big smoke today. Possibly, yes. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you in a few minutes. People living in two regions of eastern Canada are struggling to cope with widespread flooding this Easter weekend. Eight major floods have inundated Quebec forcing more than 1,200 people from their homes. Soldiers are helping with sandbagging efforts. Premier Francois Legault toured an area today dealing with its second bout of spring flooding in three years. He says Quebecers whose homes are repeatedly flooded may eventually be forced to move, adding that taxpayers cannot be on the hook for repairing the same homes over and over again. In New Brunswick, water levels in the St. John Basin are now beyond flood stage in several regions. Nearly 50 roads are now covered in water, with at least 25 of them closed to traffic. So far, Premier Blaine Higgs has not issued a state of emergency, believing the military and first responders are sufficient resources at the moment. The extent of the damage is not yet known, but there are some flooded basements in Fredericton, where up to 200 homes have been affected by the rising river. Heavy rain and a rapid snowmelt are being blamed for the flooding. 
to a tragedy in Miramichi now about 140 kilometers northwest of Moncton, where the community is in mourning after four teenagers were killed in a single vehicle crash last night. Police say the teen's vehicle went off the road, flipped upside down and landed in deep water. All four victims were high school students, one 16-year-old, two 17-year-olds and an 18-year-old. The cause of the crash is still under investigation, but police say there is absolutely no indication that drugs or alcohol were involved. They believe speed and wet road conditions were contributing factors. A Canadian has been killed in Mexico. Global Affairs Canada says they're providing assistance to the victim's family, but they're not confirming what local media is reporting, that a 70-year-old man was found dead in an apartment in the city of Progreso in Yucatan State Friday morning. Police officials are quoted as saying the man was found with at least five stab wounds to his chest and neck. Parks Canada says the bodies of three mountaineers who went missing in Banff National Park Wednesday have been recovered. Parks Canada says it had been unable to reach the site of the avalanche until today because of weather. The climbers had been attempting to scale the east face of Howe's Peak in the Icefields Parkway when they were swept away by a slide. American Jess Ross Kelly, Austrians David Lama and Hans-Jörg Auer were considered some of the world's most elite alpine climbers. And in Yoho National Park, a man critically hurt in another avalanche Saturday has died in hospital. Parks Canada says that slide was triggered on a glacier at 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Two others who were in the area at the time were not hurt. The Calgary Board of Education will hold a news conference tomorrow to address the death of a nine-year-old student. It will be the board's first time speaking publicly since Global News broke the story last week. Amal Ashtawi's family came to Canada from Syria as government-sponsored refugees three years ago. According to Amal's family, her death came as the result of bullying. Their daughter suffered at her Calgary school. Police investigated Amal's death but said there wasn't enough evidence to launch a criminal investigation into the bullying allegations. The board says they found no indication concerns were raised to the school about bullying. But they're trying to gather information. The family says they raised concerns with Amal's school. But she never got the help she needed. That's cool. A school here. They were uh, they, like uh, bullying her all the time and uh, telling her like you're ugly, you're you're, you're not beautiful. <laughs> Two weeks before they moved from uh, that school to another school, a kids came uh, to her and told her, even if you move to another school, they're not gonna love you. You better just uh, go and kill yourself. Calgary police have confirmed a man who was rescued from the Bow River Saturday has died. The man was reportedly swimming in the river but failed to resurface. Crews pulled him out and did CPR, but the man in his 40s later died in hospital. It's unclear why he was in the river. Terrifying moments captured on camera in San Francisco. A woman is dragged under a moving train after getting her hand caught in a door. We do want to warn you, this video may be disturbing to some viewers. New horrifying video obtained by the San Francisco Examiner shows a woman reaching for the subway door in San Francisco. Special call location in Marcadero Station. But the door closes on her and her hand is stuck. As the car speeds up, she can't keep pace and she's pulled under the train. It appears there were personnel on scene um, who were trying to wave down um, uh, the operator. She was hospitalized with serious injuries. 
The city's transportation system is in the midst of a billion-dollar upgrade. The problem, the sensors designed to trigger the train doors to reopen, don't always work. Back in December, another documented case of fingers caught in the door. In a statement to NBC News, the city's transportation spokesman says the doors on the new trains are safe and operate as designed. Even before the latest incident, Muni added a second safety sensor to seven of the 68 trains, but not the entire fleet. The additional enhancement will help uh, reduce incidents. The testing of the new sensors, shown here to reporters, was inconsistent. And after the incident earlier this month, the state is now investigating. Molly Hunter, NBC News. Update now to a story we brought you Friday about two cats trapped in a sinkhole. The hole was found under a home in the Edmonton area, and it's believed to be more than three meters deep. Emergency crews stabilized the opening with pieces of wood after discovering two cats were trapped inside. The homeowners say they saw one of the cats climbing up towards the entrance of the hole this morning. The cat was startled and ran away when it saw them. They've now put out a can of sardines, set up a camera, and are keeping their distance in hopes the cats will climb out. We'll let you know what happens there. Let's check in with Yvonne now and some rain heading our way. Yes, hope you all enjoyed both Saturday and Sunday. Today we had more cloud than sun in comparison to Saturday, but a big change is on the way for our Monday. Here's a glance at the cloud cover that is rolling in. Temperatures are sitting at 14 with a southeasterly wind at 20 kilometers per hour. That was our high today, right where we should be for this time of the year. But here's what we're keeping a close eye on. The numbers today up to 20 degrees for the interior, Revelstoke at 18, and the piece bumping up to 15. But that increase in cloud covers all courtesy of a system that's already bringing moisture right along the north and central coast. It is going to intensify and with it late this evening and overnight. The north coast, coastal regions, as well as high to Guay, will see a southeasterly wind with the potential of up to 90 kilometers per hour. It'll shift to a southwesterly wind and then start to ease towards the afternoon. But the moisture that we are tracking right along coastal sections, it is going to pick up for us beginning on our Monday morning, heavy at times through the day tomorrow. This will be the wettest out of the bunch and then continuing to push in towards the interior by late afternoon and evening the rainfall or chance of showers will be into uh, the Thompson Okanagan as well as the southeastern corners. Now here's a quick glance at some of the numbers that we're anticipating 10 and potentially closer to 20 millimeters this takes us in towards our Tuesday afternoon and higher amounts will be along the western sections of the island with Tofino seeing the potential of close to 40 millimeters. Now the piece for tomorrow southwesterly wind picking up with gusts of up to 80 kilometers Kilometers per hour and a chance of showers. White horse on and off showers, winds intensifying for a few spots, 30, but up to 70 for a few areas. And along the north coast, very, very wet and windy. The winds will really pick up overnight and then ease off by the afternoon. A chance of showers on Tuesday and then sunshine making a return on Wednesday. Caribou and Central Interior, most of the shower activity will be for the morning, but the winds for the afternoon with gusts of up to 60. Columbia and Kootenai region will start to see that increase in cloud cover for tomorrow. A chance of showers will be on Tuesday with that system that is pushing in along the coast. Thompson-Okanagan will see an increase in cloud cover, so still a bright and dry start for your Monday morning.
and Whistler. Rain and heavy at times, a cooler day tomorrow with only a high of 10. And across the island, we'll see that rain heavy at times through your Monday, easing off to showers on Tuesday. And much of the south coast, it'll start to clear out, but that'll be late in the day for us on our Tuesday. Temperatures for tomorrow will be cool with only a high of 11 degrees, so 10 and up to 20 millimeters. A clearing late on Tuesday, and we'll see the return for sunshine. That takes us in towards our Wednesday onwards, and temperatures will start to bump up as, as well. A quick glance, I had our weather window in there. Is it going to pop up for me? No, it's not, but that's okay. Maybe I'll show it at the end of the show. Uh, t- uh, tomorrow, once again, we'll see the rain picking up for the morning hours. Jordan? But that's the live weather window this right there. This is the there. live weather window, exactly, <laughs> which is looking pretty gloomy. Okay, thanks, Yvonne. A UK report suggests the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are considering a move to Africa after the birth of their first child. The Sunday Times reports Harry and Meghan have been in talks with advisors over a new international role. That comes after a recent formal split at Kensington Palace between Prince Harry and older brother Prince William as the Duke of Cambridge prepares one day to become Prince of Wales and then King. Harry and Meghan are already president and vice president of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. Apparently, posts in Canada and Australia have been considered, but a country in Africa is the front runner. A spokesperson for the couple says any future plans for the Duke and Duchess are speculative at this stage, and no decisions have been taken about future roles. Meantime, William and Harry were among the senior royals in attendance when their grandmother, the Queen, celebrated her birthday today by going to church. The monarch attended Easter service at St. George's Chapel on the grounds of Windsor Castle. Meghan did not attend, likely due to the impending birth. This Easter Sunday happens to coincide with the Queen's 93rd birthday. Her official birthday is marked in June with the Trooping the Colour Parade. As she left church, the waiting crowd sang her happy birthday. That is rock royalty busking at Seattle's Pike Place Market yesterday. The Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl, performing along with Grammy winner Brandy Carlisle. They played for about 15 minutes, performing the Foo Fighters hit Times Like These and covering the Beatles' Let It Be. No word on how much their busking efforts earned them. These are not Harold Ballard's Maple Leafs. <laughs> uh, no, thank goodness. They, they, uh, <laughs> they never, win these days. Uh, Sometimes. Yeah, they, they never made the playoffs back then. Yeah. I don't think, did they? But uh, yeah, Leafs are a good team. But, you know, it seems the hockey gods make you work for it <laughs> when you haven't uh, had success for a while. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the only Canadian team left in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And today, the Leafs had a chance to book their ticket to the second round. All they had to do was beat Boston in Game 6 in Toronto. The Leafs have not won a playoff series since 2004, 15 years ago, or when Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews were both six years old. The Leafs crowd whipped into a frenzy pregame, hoping they might see that historic victory. And off to a great start, Morgan Riley, a West fan, slap shot, beats Tuka Rask, and it's 1-0 Toronto in the first, but the Bruins will answer on the power play off the face-off. Brad Marchand with the quick shot. 
gets through Freddie Anderson. You actually see it took a deflection off Ron Hainsey, and in it's 1-1. And then later in the first, another power play, another Bruins goal. Tori Krug on the rebound. Boston 5-for-7 on the power play on the road in this series. Very late in the first, it looked like Boston got another. Marchand to Patrice Bergeron, but Anderson with a larcenous glove save. How did he get that? So 2-1 Boston after one. But in the second, Bruins add to the lead. Jake DeBrusque and David Krejci combining. DeBrusque with the finish. What a fantastic young player he is. 3-1 Boston after two. Third period, Leafs need a rally, and they make it interesting. Just four minutes in, Austin Matthews goes posting in, his fifth of the series, and all of a sudden, it's 3-2. Under two to go, Leafs with the empty net, looking for the equalizer, but it's Brad Marchand coming up big once again. Two goals and an assist for the Super Pest. Bruins force Game 7 Tuesday in Boston, beating the Leafs 4-2. All right, Game 6 from Vegas, Golden Knights can advance to the second round if they beat the Sharks. First period, San Jose gets the all-important first goal. It comes with just nine seconds to go in the period. Logan Couture snipes one past Marc-Andre Fleury. 1-0 San Jose after one. Second period, Vegas ties it up. Jonathan so Nice play here, converting the Shea Theodore rebound. Great play off the skate to the stick, lifts it in. They're going to overtime. 44-20, the shots for Vegas. They're dominating, but they will need OT. After dropping game one of their first round series to Orlando, the Raptors have really taken over. Toronto's depth and talent starting to wear down a Magic team that had one of the best records in the, uh, the NBA the final two months. Today, the Raptors with a chance to go up 3-1 in the series. How about Pascal Siakam? 30 points, 10 rebounds in game three. And in the first, Lowry with a great feed to Siakam, who has the athletic finish at the rim. Mark Gasol then with the steal here, punches it away, feeds Kawhi Leonard for the throwdown, 28-26, Toronto after a quarter. Second quarter, some much needed bench contributions for the Raps, it's Fred Van Vliet going baseline and the tough layup, six point Raptor lead, then Kawhi going to work as he hits the ridiculous jumper, he had 18 in the first half, he had the flu the other night, he was just playing sick tonight, final seconds of the half, it's Siakam with the corner three, 12 points for him, Raptors 58-42 at the half, third quarter, Raps running the floor, Kyle Lowry to Kawhi for the big left-handed jam as uh, Leonard really came to play tonight. More from Kawhi, another driving basket and the foul up to 30 points at that point. 82-70 Toronto after three and in the fourth, Leonard at the defensive end with the block. Then at the other end, moments later, just too much to handle. Kawhi with a game-high 34. And then a little cherry on top for the Raps. The alley-oop from Van Vliet to Siakam for the flush. And the Raptors blow out the magic in impressive fashion. The uh, final score, 107-85. They can wrap up the series Tuesday in Toronto. Also in the East, Celtics with a chance to sweep away the Indiana Pacers in Game 4. Third quarter, tight game. Kyrie Irving with the driving layup. Fourth quarter, Gordon Hayward. Hits the three. He led Boston with 20 off the bench. And the Celtics are moving on to the conference semifinals after sweeping the Pacers in 
four straight, 110-106 the final today. In the West, Golden State and the Clippers, Warriors leading 2-1, but L.A. giving the defending champs all they can handle. The Canadian rookie Shea Gilgis-Alexander had a career-high 25 to lead the Clips, who did have a five-point lead late in the third, but Golden State with so many weapons. Clay Thompson at 32, including six of nine from three-point range, 90-86 Warriors, and of course, there's also KD, Kevin Durant, putting the exclamation point on this one. He had 33. Warriors win at 113-105. They lead the series 3-1. Welcome back. Vancouver Giants are on a serious roll right now, and it could land them back in the Western Hockey League Finals for the first time since 2007. Giants won their eighth straight playoff game last night, rallying from a 2-0 third-period deficit to beat the Spokane Chiefs 4-2 to take a 2-0 series lead in the Western Conference Finals. Giants got nothing for two periods, but then exploded for four quick goals. They trailed 2-1, when on the two-on-one break, Justin Surtif is stopped, but captain Jared Dimitru jams in the loose puck, ties it 2-2. The LEC getting loud. 22 seconds later, Dimitru gives the Giants their first lead, his team-leading sixth playoff goal. And it's 3-2 Vancouver. They aren't done yet. On the power play, Yannick Valenti with the one-timer. Four goals in a 3-23 span. Giants outshot the Chiefs 20-6 in the third. 44-26 overall. They go up 2-0 in the series. Game 3 Tuesday in Spokane. World Under-18 Championships from Sweden today. Kamloops Blazer Connor Zary and Canada taking on Belarus. As expected, this was a rout. Victoria Grizzlies captain Alex Newhook with a wide-open net. Makes it 3-0 after one. Second period, it's Newhook one more time, following up his own rebound. That made it 5-0 for Canada. Newhook expected to be a late first-round pick in this June's draft. Kootenai Ice winger Peyton Krebs is the Canadian captain. A fantastic goal here. He's expected to be a top 10 pick, someone the Canucks could get at the number 10 draft spot. Canada now 3-0 in the tournament after the 11-1 romp over Belarus. HSBC Women's World Rugby Sevens from Japan. Canada meeting England in the Championship Cup final. And Canada wins in dramatic fashion as Captain Ghislaine Landry scoops up the loose ball and goes in for the try on the final play of the game. They got the conversion and won at 7-5. So Canada now second overall in the standings. The top four sides get automatic berths into the 2020 Summer Olympics. All right, EPL action. Mo Salah and Liverpool visiting Cardiff City. Liverpool one point back of Man City with four left to play for each club. Liverpool open in the 57th. Jorginho Wijnaldum times it perfectly off the low hard corner there. 1-0 Liverpool and then they get some insurance as Salah is wrapped up in the box, draws the penalty. Tough to argue that call. James Milner from the spot takes care of business. 2-0 the final as Liverpool now two points up on Man City, but they have played one more match. Romelu Lukaku and Manchester United visiting Everton. United still trying to climb into the top four. They could hop over Chelsea and Arsenal today with the win, but they were overwhelmed by Everton today. Richarlison with a spectacular goal to get Everton on the board, and then it's Gilfie Sigerson letting it rip from distance. Blows it past De Gea. 4-0 Everton. United fading after their incredible run earlier this season. It's their fifth straight road loss. Arsenal and Crystal Palace. Gunners with a chance to jump over Spurs into third with a win. They were down a goal in the second half, but Lacazette will set up Masut Ozil to make it 1-1. But Crystal Palace 
jump back in front. Wilfred Zaha takes the inside track past the defender and then fires it in to give Palace the 2-1 lead, much to the delight of uh, their visiting supporters. And then just eight minutes later off the corner, James MacArthur heads it in. Turns out to be the game winner, a crucial loss for Arsenal. They remain fourth, a point behind Tottenham. Baseball now, Blue Jays looking for the sweep in Oakland. Aaron Sanchez, four strong innings, but forced to leave after the fourth with a broken fingernail. Had the blister issues, of course, in the past. We'll see if uh, he has to miss a start because of his latest finger problems. Justin Smoke providing the offense here, a two-run shot. Jays went up 5-1. They hang on to win at 5-4, so it's a three-game sweep of the A's. Toronto now just one under 500 at 11-12. and 12. And final round of the RBC Heritage from beautiful Hilton Head, South Carolina. Matt Kuchar with the... Chip in here at the third hole, Beautiful ended up second at 11 under. Kuchar leads the uh, FedEx Cup standings right now, but it was Taiwan's C.T. Pan who gets his first ever PGA Tour win thanks to this birdie on 16. Dustin Johnson, the third round leader, imploded with a 77 today, finished 28th. Adam Hadwood was 48th, and Nick Taylor was 50. All right. All right. For many people, going to a concert to see your favorite artist is a thrill, but one lucky Winnipegger got the chance of a lifetime to actually sing with his idol, BC crooner Michael Bublé. Allison McKinnon has the story. Justin Scobovius is a huge Michael Bublé fan, and when he heard the singer was coming to Winnipeg, he knew he had to get tickets. The 20-year-old bought floor passes for the Friday night concert and enlisted the help of some other super fans. So I asked them, so what do you, what do you guys think it would take for me to sing with him? And then they said, oh, we know exactly what you need to do. So then they grabbed poster board out of their bags and made, uh, grabbed Sharpies and they wrote, I want to sing on it. The women told Skabuvius when to show the sign, and he was able to get Buble's attention. First he asked me if I could actually sing, and I said, I think so. No. I sang with my favorite artist. After the concert, Skabuvius says more than 100 people asked to take pictures with him. The 20-year-old sings for weddings and at church. I just work for a small business. I do flooring installation, so carpet and hardwood and tile and that's that kind of thing so not singing i mean if that opportunity is there i i, I love it but uh you never know for now scabuvius says he's enjoying the small taste of fame while it lasts <laughs> allison mckinnon global news he's pretty good yeah. very good yeah, I, was at, I was at the the buble concert uh last friday yeah. here's in vancouver and he did have an audience member singing there as well and Michael's so good. What an entertainer. But he's so funny, too. If he can get to his concert, I hope he comes around more often than he has in the past. Uh, he's just good. unbelievable. So you get a comedy show and a concert. And it's all right. for he's the price of one. an entertainer. He is so good. Yeah. Good to know. Before we go, weather window. Yeah, real quick. This is a shot that was taken from Darcy in the past week from Charlie Lake. And a final look at your five-day forecast. Rain and heavy at times for Monday. Showers on Tuesday. And the sunshine returning on our Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. Happy Easter. We'll see you at 11. Good night. Good night. Good night.